0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, each heart that's here in this building this morning and maybe watching on uh, the live stream. Uh, Lord, we pray for each home that's represented here today. Uh, Lord, uh, we just ask, Father, if there be somebody that does not know the answer Properly to this question this morning, that they would before they leave this house this morning. And Lord, if there be somebody that does not know you and the free pardon of sin, Father, it's my prayer sincerely that they would give their heart to you today, Lord. And Lord, uh, we pray for our pastor. We ask you to lift him up, uh, Lord, and uh, restore his health, Lord, and uh, bring him back again quickly. And Lord, we're trusting you for that. May everything we say and do honor and glorify your holy name, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, I want to give a, just three important statements, and uh, throughout the next few minutes, just think about these three important statements that, that uh, we're going to look at this morning. One is... God has no grandchildren, only children. He doesn't have any grandkids, only children. The second statement I want you to think about this morning, to be 99% sure is 100% unacceptable. To be 99% sure is 100% unacceptable. If you think you're saved... You're probably not. (laughs) Faith is believing 100%. 100%. Are you with me? And the third statement I want you to think about this morning is, the only thing longer than life is eternity. The only thing longer than life is eternity. What I want to ask you this morning are you sure you're saved? Are you 100% sure? I've talked to so many people in church, churches, I, I hope I am. <laughs> I hope I make it. I had a guy, when I, I pastored a church in Indianapolis, and I, I liked the guy. And uh, uh, It was a Wednesday night, and I was working late, and I said I'd be there. But anyways, I invited him to, to fill in for me. And uh, I'd talked to him a while. He seemed, you know, he seemed legit. And uh, he was, so I got there just before uh, he started his message. And he said, in the course of his message, it was good, it was good. But in the course of his message, he was talking about heaven. And he goes, I sure hope I make it. And I thought, you don't know? (laughs) You don't know that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And, uh, I respectfully never ask him to, <laughs> to uh, if you don't know that you know that you know, you better know. <laughs> but if you look at our first statement, and and, and honestly, uh, uh, if you're truly saved, you don't mind somebody asking you if you're saved. <laughs> Matter of fact, you're humbled and happy to answer that question. But if you take that first statement, God has no grandchildren, only children, now, Science and studies have shown that if your parents never had kids, neither will you. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. In other words, in a spiritual sense, just because your parents were a Christian doesn't mean you are. Amen? Someone said no spiritual genes were passed along to you when you were born. Just because Tatai or Nanai is a good Christian does not mean you are. Uh, <clears throat> no, you know, the Bible says you must be born again. And if you've never, if you've never been born in this earth, you're not here. <laughs> I'm looking around, I'm thinking most of you have. <clears throat> but if you've never been born again, what? You're not saved. I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. Here's a command. 2 Corinthians 13.5, the Bible says, examine yourselves. What? Whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves." Philippians 2.12, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Do you know that you are saved this morning? Do you know? Have you ever nailed it down a hundred percent? I've had people say, "Well, I think so. <laughs> I think I'm saved." Or, you know, like I said, the 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 preacher friend of mine. I hope I, I hope I get to heaven. I hope I'm saved. Do you know if you were asked, you know, if Jesus were to ask you, "Why should I let you into heaven?" What would you say to him? <laughs> what would you tell him? With fear and trembling you try to work it out try to say it just right so how about it examine yourself right now before god before he examines you on that day amen be honest with yourself this morning and i'm nobody's judge here this morning but for some reason another the lord has put this thought on my mind the uh the last couple days and nights and uh You know, be honest today because he will be just on that morning. He's going to be honest with you. So the question is not if you are saved, if you're a Christian. The real question is, how are you saved? (laughs) Not if you're saved, but how are you saved? What are you trusting in this morning, dearly beloved? If you say Jesus, that's a good answer, (laughs) But if you say Jesus, then answer, we have to answer the question, who is Jesus to you? It's what Jesus is asking his disciples here. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Amen. Jesus, in our text this morning, Jesus and the disciples, they're about 120 miles from Jerusalem in northern Palestine. And... Uh, it's closing, they're kind of closing in on the time when he's going to go to the holy city and the cross, which he will be crucified, uh, which was by he was born. But before he dies, there's two things he wants his followers to be clear about. He wants, to be, he, he, he wants us nailed down. He's getting ready to ascend back into heaven in a, in a little while. And what he wants to be nailed down is who he is and what he's going to do. That's why he's having this discussion with the disciples, and those are two things that you and I must understand this morning. Those are two things we all have to understand: the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So, as Jesus is asking this question to him, the disciples have been with him for roughly three years, and now it's it's kind of like their final exam. Uh, it's finals week. This is your finals. This is your final test, and he asks first, and, and what does the crowd say? Who do people say I am? And then the disciples say, you know, He is. Their, you know, their their answer will determine where they spend eternity. And our answer will determine the same thing, friends. Be careful as you take this test this morning. You can't afford to miss this question. <laughs> you can't afford to miss this question. And we, you can't only answer it with your head intellectually, but you have to answer it with your heart spiritually. Spiritually. A lot of people know who Jesus is up here. <laughs> they, they, they've been taught by mom and dad. They've been to Sunday school. They go to church. You ask them who Jesus is, and they, 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 they'll give you the answers, but you have to answer it spiritually. Romans 10 says, what? With the heart, man believeth. So they're in Caesarea Philippi, and that, by the way, was the center of pagan religion, uh, a lot like America's becoming, <laughs> a lot like the whole world's becoming. Who is Jesus Christ to you this morning. So, these questions, first of all, this is a a perennial question that Jesus is asking them. And uh, a perennial question, if I I remember right, is uh, one that keeps coming up over and over, (laughs) Uh, you know, again and again. The question is repeated every age over and over again. What Jesus asked his disciple, and there's no neutrality in this question. You can't avoid it. None of us can avoid it. It has to be answered. And it doesn't matter what else you're right about in life, if you're wrong about Jesus. You can be right about everything. And if you're wrong about Jesus, you've missed it. So in verse 14, uh, the disciples say, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Uh, so that was their three theories of, of what people who people said that Jesus was, and they said I think they said John the Baptist because number one, of his preaching, John the Baptist was a good preacher, at his preaching of repentance. And uh, I was surprised, just just uh, just a little off track, of our. Our manager at work quit, so the, the guy above him has been coming out and stuff, and uh, uh, he knew, uh, I had, you know, we got to know each other. He said, you know, he knew I had a church in Indianapolis, and I was a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And then he's got uh, another guy coming from Seattle in June that's going to take over our shop, and I'm excited about that. And I said, so you're not going to be staying here a lot. He goes, no, I'm John the Baptist. He goes, I'm here to tell you about another one that's coming. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I like that. I I see what you did there. I see what you did there. (laughs) And uh, John the Baptist was a great preacher, and he was preached of repentance. But Jesus was a far greater preacher than John. (laughs) John spoke with an authority. uh, I'm sorry. Jesus spoke with an authority that was astounding because he not only spoke the word of God, (laughs) He was the Word of God uh, in flesh. See, all John could do was point to the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb. Amen? So, he's not John the Baptist. Some say he's John the Baptist. Then then the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah. And I think uh, some may have thought Elijah because of Jesus' prayers. Elijah prayed, and what happened? The heavens opened and closed. Whether it was rain or fryer. fire, fire, fryer. fire. We turned the fryer off, didn't we? Huh? But uh, he would. He he prayed, and fire came out of heaven. Now I don't want to get too personal, but how many of you have prayed and fire came out of heaven? <laughs> it hasn't worked for me yet, but uh, you know Elijah was a, a good prayer. Uh, and I think it's interesting too. We talk, you know, you hear a pastor talking about uh, you need a good prayer life. You need to pray every day, and and, and uh, you, uh, we all know that's true. But I think it's interesting that I know of. I could be wrong, but I don't ever remember the disciples saying, "Lord, teach us to preach." I don't, uh, I, I don't remember the disciples ever saying, uh, "Lord, teach us to turn that water into wine, how you did that." <laughs> but They did say, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Well, what it must have been like to actually hear Jesus pray. Huh? They were blown away by his ability to talk to his Father. And they were happy to learn that they could easily do the same thing. And I'm happy to know that you and I can do the same thing this morning. Because in teaching them, he taught us. And then they said, some of the disciples, you know, some of the crowd says, You're Jeremiah. They think you're Jeremiah because of your pathos, which means compassion. Jesus had a lot of compassion. Jeremiah, what was he known as? The the weeping prophet, right? He was known for his tears. Jesus was known for being moved to tears. From his view of the multitude in a crowd like a sheep with no shepherd to the tomb of his friend Lazarus, John eleven thirty five. 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. I remember in Sunday school, they say, I want you to learn a verse this week. It's always John eleven thirty five 35 for me. But that's in Jesus' way, John eleven thirty five. 35, thank you. But he, he was known for He cried at Lazarus' tomb. He had so much compassion, you know. He even knew he's getting ready to raise him from the dead, but he had so much compassion for, I think, Lazarus' family and, and things. And I think he wept and he wept. And in my heart, I believe that the Lord still weeps today for people that are hurting. He has compassion. He's not some faraway God that. He has compassion. He has compassion. I think when you hurt, he hurts right along with you. I really do. I think his heart breaks for us. Tears are a language God understands. Amen. So they went through these, the, the, answering this question, verse 14, uh, you know, what the people said, what the people say, John the Baptist, Elijah. <clears throat> but all of these opinions were what? Wrong. <laughs> they were all wrong because You can't compare Jesus to another man. You can't do it. He's unique. He's supreme. He's the name above all names, the God-man. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'll never find the right answer to the perennial question by taking a public poll. (laughs) The crowd's always wrong. When it comes to Jesus, it seems like the big crowd's always wrong. Yet they make public opinion their main method of deciding what they believe. I heard a a famous person a long time ago when I was a kid uh, talking about his uh, belief in uh, reincarnation. And they asked him, why do you believe in that? He said, because it's an easy religion. (laughs) Easy believism. The crowd is always wrong. (laughs) So, You, if you ever invite people to church or ask people, invite people to get saved, usually you hear about the same excuses over and over. You know, and that tells me two things: number one, the excuses all originate from the same source, which is Satan, and number two, they've probably heard it from somebody else. <laughs> they've probably heard it from somebody else. Have you ever? Have you ever witnessed a, a, a friend or a, a family member that talk about the Bible? and One of the things they'll say is, "You know, the Bible's full of contradictions." <laughs> the Bible's full of contradictions, and uh, usually they've never even read it for themselves, <laughs> but they've heard somebody else say that it's a talking point. Has anybody ever told you I can? I don't have to go to. I can worship God anywhere. But have you noticed they never do? <laughs> They never do. You just want my money. (laughs) And then uh, I would used to tell them, I'd say, uh, yeah, but that's not all. (laughs) They didn't like that. But maybe we should stop asking people to church and start asking them the perennial question they need to answer. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Be honest with yourself this morning. If they get a hold of the true answer, they'll be saved. And if they get saved, then they'll come to church. You won't have to invite them to church. they don't want to be in church. They'll be changed forever. So this question in verse 14, it's a perennial question. And then look at verse 15. He said, but who do you say I am? That's what they say I am. Who do you say I am? Who do you say he is this morning? He's starting to narrow the focus. The focus is getting more narrow now. He wants the opinion of the disciples. Amen? Uh, Every person must answer that question. The crowd can't answer it for you. Mom and dad can't answer it for you. Your spouse can't answer it for you. And you can't get away or opt out from answering the question. It's not family food, food, <laughs> fryer, food, Lord help me. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's, those uh, ramen noodles I had at three have just really left me by now. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not family feud. You can't uh, be in the money round and say pass, you know. And if you have time, you get back to the question. It's, it's got to be answered. You're going to answer it. You can't delay it. Uh, you can but you can't hide forever. You can't hide forever. You will answer someday. Listen, there's, there's four things, I think. There's, there's four answers that you can really give to this question. And uh, number one, uh, he, he's a legend. You know, in other words, it's all made up. People have that. Uh, some people have that, you know, he never really was. And I hear, you hear on the, like, the media and news a lot today, uh, you know, well, it's, it's kind of a fairy tale. It's, you know, it's a, it's a nice story, but it's not really well. But I think that perhaps very few minority people today really believe that, because I think intellectually you can't hold that opinion, because there's more historical proof in the existence of Jesus Christ than any other person in the history. Any other person. I don't like it particularly, sometimes it's interesting, but I don't like it particularly when cable channels try to tell Bible stories. Uh, uh, that, you know, uh, usually they mess it up. <laughs> they mess it up bad. And, uh, you know, when they investigate who Jesus was, uh, they kind of flaunt the fact that they really don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I think Uh they should put a sign up that says, you know, uh, flashing above their heads, you know, I really don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there's no exception. Uh, but i tell you one thing that in the, in the few that I've seen, one thing I've never seen them attempt to do, and that's to deny that there was a man named Jesus. Because there's too much historical evidence it's, to, to even go there. So, in a question of who do you say he is, you really can't say he was a legend or or a myth or or some made-up story. And then, of course, there's another one. He was a liar. (laughs) You'd have to say he was a liar. He deceived people into thinking he was someone he wasn't. Uh, Then they go on to say, I think he was a good teacher. I think, you know, he, he did good things. Uh, but he wasn't God in the flesh. But there again, I don't think that's even an option <laughs> because if he claimed to be God and he wasn't, then what was he? He was a liar. And good people don't go around living a lie. So if he's not, if he wasn't who he said he was, how can you say, I believe he was a good person? And it wasn't a little lie. You know, we hear, the oh, it's just a little white lie. That would have made him a pathological habitual deceiver. And that's not a good person. <laughs> that's not somebody you could trust. People could see right through that kind of a liar, I think. They're easy. I, I know a guy that uh, I don't want to say where he works, but it's the same place I do. <laughs> and uh, uh, when I first went there, they, this company bought out the company I'd been employed with for 30 years, and then we started here, and the boss was kind of showing me around, and uh, this guy I was talking to him, and I thought, wow, this, this guy's, you know. And the boss pulled me aside. He said, Jeff, listen, if his lips are moving, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, well, I thought, I thought, I wondered why, you know, a multimillionaire was working, <laughs> you know, in a, a machine shop, but, you know, some people do. <coughs> but, uh, Jesus would have been a pathological liar. I heard of a little boy, and he, uh, Billy, he, he, he was in grade school, and he, uh, he was known to lie real bad. And one weekend, you know, one Monday, the teacher said, Billy, what would you do this weekend? And he said, I went fishing, and I caught 30 blue channel catfish that were that long. And she knew he was lying, but she just kind of pacified him. And then the next week, she said, Billy, what'd you do this weekend? He said, well, me and Daddy went hunting, and we killed eight deer, and all of them had 10-point bucks. (laughs) And she was like, well, that's pretty impressive. Next week, Billy, what'd you do this week? I played baseball, and I hit 16 home runs in one inning. And uh, she said, you know, why don't we go talk to the principal? starting to get a little worried about Billy. And uh, so she went to the principal and told the principal, you know, all the stuff Billy had been saying. The principal said, you know what? I got a little degree in psychology. She goes, he goes, I know how to work with it. She said, "I'm gonna, I'm going to tell Billy such a lie that he'll see how silly it is and he'll stop. And she said, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. So he, the principal said, Billy, you want to know what I did this weekend? He's like, yeah. He said, well... I was walking through the woods. I saw this big black bear and he started chasing me. But then just that moment there was this little chihuahua dog came running out from behind a tree, killed the bear and ate the whole thing. And uh, he said, do you believe that, Billy? And Billy said, I sure do. That was my dog. (laughs) But... But I promise you Jesus was not a pathological liar so some say he was a legend if he wasn't who he claimed he was he was either a legend he was a liar or he was a lunatic <laughs> I mean he was off in the hit maybe sincere but crazy uh, you know uh, I, I I know people like that so <laughs> there was I have a, a friend uh, I have a friend that uh, and uh, maybe I shouldn't get into it, but uh, she, she claims to be a median and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And when my mom passed away, we went back to Indianapolis, and uh, she, she was at the funeral home. And she came over and she hugged me. She said, Jeff, I just wanted to tell you, your mama said not to worry. She's happy. Everything's okay. And I said, you know what? I know that's true because she's in heaven right now. And then somebody said, "Do you really believe all that stuff?" I said, "No, I believe she does." But uh, one time, one time she, she she we used to work together years ago. and She said she was like Jeff. Jesus is standing right here beside me, and he wants you to reach out your hand and grab him. And uh, I'm looking at her. And she said, he's telling me you have some doubt. <laughs> and I said, maybe that was him, because he's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that doesn't hold water with the Lord, though, because when he talked, people marveled, did they not? They asked, where does he get this wisdom? The most brilliant minds in history have studied his words for centuries, and they've only scratched the surface of the depth of his wisdom. So if he wasn't a liar, if he wasn't a legend or a lunatic, there's only one other conclusion you can make this morning. He is Lord. He is Lord. Look at verse 16. Peter got it right, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the long-awaited, often-predicted Messiah. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll see His coming and His description are all plain as day. When, where, how He would come, what He would be like, what He would do. How long can you wait to face the question when you know He's not a legend? It makes no sense that he was a liar. And it's plain he wasn't a lunatic. Confess him as Lord today and not on this day in Philippians 2, 10 and 11 where the Bible says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, one day it'll be too late if you don't know Him this morning. I pray everybody in here is truly say everybody knows Him, but I'm, I'm nobody's judge, but I honestly don't believe that everybody that goes to church is a Christian. People go to church for a lot of different reasons. Thank God there are a lot of Christians that go to church. But once you are saved, make him Lord of your life. Amen. You see, he died to claim me as Lord, and now he lives to control me as Lord. Amen. He's our Savior. God's throne is not a duplex. We need to let go of the will and give him full control. Give him full control. Many Christians many Christians want to serve Lord but in an advisory capacity. <laughs> and uh, you know if Christ is worth anything, he's worth everything. He's worth everything. Do you know him this morning? Have you really trusted him as your personal savior? Whatever master a man chooses will master the man. That's true. Bible says you can't serve two masters. But you will serve one. You will serve one. Once you're saved, you should you should have a lapel pin under new management. <laughs> you're under new management. You can't tip your hat to Jesus, you got to bow your knee. <laughs> you got to bow your knee. Who is Jesus Christ to you? So not only is the question a perennial question and a personal question? It's a providential question. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus says it's not only by grace, goodness, and guidance of God, He says, it is only by the grace, goodness, and guidance of God that any one of us can ever come to the place of answering that question correctly. It's the most important question you'll ever answer. We make decisions every day, big and small, but this is the most important question you've ever been asked. The right answer comes by divine revelation not human speculation. <laughs> Amen. Do you really know him this morning? Are you have you truly had a life changing experience? And I'm not talking intellectually. I'm talking here. I'm talking spiritually. Only the Father in heaven can make that truth real in your heart. John 6:44 says, "No man comes to me except the Father, which hath sent." Draw him. I really believe it's no accident any of us are here this morning. I really don't. God has arranged circumstances in our lives, so we will hear this this morning and think about this morning and be forced to answer the question, Who is Jesus Christ to you? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Many of you have answered that question in the affirmative. Many of you uh, are saved this morning. Maybe all. I, I don't. The only person that really knows your heart is you and God. But be honest with yourself. <laughs> be honest with God. God, I think God's erased the circumstances that will be here. Don't answer it just in your head. Amen. Make sure it impacts your heart. You say, well, I go to church every Sunday. That's not what God said uh, saves a person, is it? A lot of people go to church for a lot of reasons. Uh, and not everyone goes to church is saved. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm not judging anybody or, or calling anybody out. But people go to a lot of people go to church for fellowship. My friends go down there. That's, I, the only time I get to see my friends is on Sunday, so we go to church, uh, you know, and hang out. Uh, that's not really a good reason to be in church. Nothing wrong with fellowship. I like fellowship. I, uh, oh, this is going to sound uh, unkind, so I probably shouldn't say it, but I will. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've done this COUSA thing a few times, helped out the guys. And I've been astounded at how many people show up at 11.45. <laughs> and I'm thinking, at that point, why? You, why? <laughs> See, Are you coming to church to hear Pastor Joel's message? Are you coming to church to, to learn more about the Lord? Are you coming to church because you love the Lord? Are you coming to church because you want to praise Him in song? You want to worship Him? You want to get closer to the Lord? Are you coming to church because you want to fill your yourself up so you can go out here and share up in his grace and his mercy with a lost and dying world are you coming down to see your friends are you coming some people might be here uh, because mom and dad makes you go (laughs) I was in that boat for a long time I always tell people I had a drug problem growing up mom drugged me to Sunday school she drugged me to Sunday morning she made me she drug me to church on Sunday night she drug me to church on Wednesday night and back then, we used to have revivals. She drugged me on Monday night, Tuesday night. I was very drugged. <laughs> Did I want to be there? No. <laughs> but thank God, I, I, still heard the, I still heard the gospel, though. Uh, I remember uh, before my, my dad got saved when I was about five years old, and uh, so mom was saved before him, and a lot of times, you know, he, he didn't go to church, but she would do little things like, He's gonna watch a football game, and I, uh, some of you may remember back in back in olden times. We used to uh, a TV was a part of your furniture, and we had this big old black and white TV, took up about half of this stage, and uh, a pair of channel locks on the on the channel thing to turn it, and the big rabbit ears with aluminum foil on top of it, and. Uh, dad would stay home especially in football season if he wasn't playing golf he would be you know watching football and mom would do little things like put a picture of Jesus on top of the <laughs> top of the TV the crucifix and uh, uh, that way when he was watching uh, whoever he watched back then uh, he would that picture and he, he'd never say nothing about it but he did him he, he got saved in 1971 and he did admit that that would bother him. He would be like, he would try to turn around, then he'd feel guilty. Of, I've just turned Jesus around, you know, all that stuff. She would do little things like that. I remember he had this little bookshelf, and uh, there was a, she had this real nice Bible. And, like I said, I was drugged to church, so I knew what a Bible was. And uh, it was gold leaf pages, you know. I said, Mom, can I have it? She goes, no, that's your dad's. I said, don't go to church. He's not going to read it. She goes, he will someday. And it happened. It happened because of her faithfulness. But, uh, you know, little things like that. Uh, And I was talking about my drug problem. That's where I was at. (laughs) It's been a long four days, folks. But uh, uh, after every once in a while, I could stay home with Dad, you know, I watched the, uh, Mom, can I stay home with Dad I watch some sports? Very few times, but every once in a while she would say, yeah, stay home with your dad. And uh, when Dad got saved, I was like, what are we doing today, Dad? <laughs> We're going to church. I knew I was outnumbered. <laughs> I was completely outnumbered. But, uh, you know, and, and, let, and let, me, let, me, let me say, if, 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 you're, if your spouse or your loved one Does not know Christ. Don't give up on him. (laughs) Eight years she kept trying to prod him to get to church, and finally, and I don't know. I I, I just tell you the story. This is how God works. Uh, In 1971, a guy named Charles Denny and another guy came to the house. Back then, they used to do like house to house visitation. Uh, I don't think they do it anymore, and probably. Probably a good reason for it. Who knows? But uh, Charlie Denny knocked on the door, and uh, Dad answered the door. I was about five. And uh, he said, uh, he said uh, What's your name? You know, My name's Charlie. He said, Oh, my name's Charlie. They were both Charlies. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, "He said, I want to ask you a question. He said, Are you saved? If you knew... He didn't say, you know, Do you go to church? He said, Are you saved? If you knew today... That, you know, if you died, you would go to heaven. And dad said, well, yeah, I I go down here to the Baptist temple. And, uh, which he did. So I go down here to the Baptist temple. And Charlie Denny said, well, praise the Lord. That's where we're from. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> and so he knew right then he got caught in a lie. And uh, uh, so he, he was like out of guilt. He was like, come on in. And uh, so he said, that, long story short, Dad knelt down by the couch there with Charlie and gave his heart to the Lord. But I think it was Mama's prayers that sent that guy by that day. Uh, oddly enough, I ended up going to school with his son years later, but, but that's the way God works. But who is Christ to you? Is he real to you? you know, don't miss heaven by 18 inches, intellectually. It's your heart, about 18 inches. The distance between from your head, your brain, to your heart. Amen. You say, well, what's the difference between believing intellectually and believing with your heart? I may have told you this story before, but a long time ago there was a guy walking a tightrope and he didn't have a safety net. And the crowd gathered around below and they watched him, you know, with no safety net, walk this little rope. And then he took a wheelbarrow. And somehow or another, he maneuvered that wheelbarrow across the rope. And everybody was astounded. And then he he started talking to the crowd and he said, How many people here believe I could put a human being in this wheelbarrow and make it across this rope? And everybody's like, I think you could do it. And he pointed a guy out and he said, Sir, come on up here. And he took off running the other way. (laughs) What's the point? He believed he could do it up here, but not enough here to get in a wheelbarrow. And I'm afraid that's the way a lot of people are when they hear the gospel. They believe it, but not enough to really put their heart into it, give their heart to the Lord. Are you saved this morning? Don't be ashamed. A lot of people in church may have been in church for a long time that have never really trusted Christ as their Savior but they're embarrassed to tell anybody or they're embarrassed to do anything about it. Don't be in that boat. It's not worth going to hell over embarrassment. <laughs> I'll close with this story. As a true story, there was a lady named Ruth Ann Metzer, Metzger. She was a professional singer, beautiful voice. And She told the story of being asked to sing at, the, at a wedding of one of the most wealthiest people in Seattle. And according to the invitation that she got, there was a reception going to be held on the top two floors of the Seattle Columbia Tower. <clears throat> the northwest, I don't know if it still is, but there's a northwest tallest skyscraper, one of the most luscious, you know, lush buildings around. She and her husband, Roy, they were excited to go. She was going to sing at the wedding. We're going to, you know, this is, this is it. We're the most lavish party of the year. And at the reception, after the the wedding, she sang at the wedding, and after the reception, the waiters in tuxedos walking around, they were offering these, you know, delicious hors d'oeuvres and these exotic beverages. And the bride and the groom approached these glass stairs and and brass, you know, uh, just beautiful, beautiful bride and groom, beautiful setting. And uh, someone uh, ceremoniously cut a satin ribbon to the stairs and the, the bride and groom walked up the stairs, and they announced that the wedding feast was about to begin. The reception's about to begin. And the, like I said, the bride and groom, they ascended up the stairs, and they were followed by the guests. And at the top of the stairs, there was a maitre d'. He had a little leather book in his hand, and he greeted the guests, you know, at the doors. And, and Ruth Anna Metzger came up, and uh, he said, may I have your name, please? And she said, I'm Ruth Anna Metzger, and this is my husband, Roy. So he started searching the M's. He said, ma'am, I'm not finding it. Would you spell it for me? And so she spelled it for, for him slowly. And after the search in the book, the major d' looked up and said, I'm sorry, but your name's not here in the book. Ruth Ann, I said, there must be some mistake. I'm the singer. Didn't you? I sung at this wedding. And the gentleman said, "Ma'am, not to be rude, but it doesn't matter who you are or what you did. Your name's not in this book. You can't come to the banquet." And he motioned for a waiter, and he said, "Sir, show you know, show these good people to the elevator." And the waiter led Ruth Ann and Roy to the service elevator, and you know, kind of walked them in, and he pushed G for the parking garage. And after they got in their car, they drove several miles for in silence, and then finally Roy reached over, and, you know, he kind of patted his wife on the shoulder, <clears throat> and uh, he said, sweetheart, what happened? And she said, well, Roy, when the invitation arrived, I was busy. And uh, I never bothered to RSVP. And she said, besides that, I'm the singer. (laughs) I was in the wedding. Surely I could have went to the reception without returning to RSVP. But then Ruthanna began to weep because not only had she missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever been invited to in her life, but she suddenly felt like she had a small taste of what it must be like for people someday as they stand before Christ. Your name's not here. Your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But Lord, I, I sung in the choir. <laughs> I preached. I, I volunteered in the Sunday school. I volunteered here. sorry. Your name's not here. can't come in. Throughout the ages, countless of people have been too busy to respond to Christ's invitation to his wedding banquet. Many assume they've done good. I've been a good person. That's Satan's biggest lie is good people go to Heaven and bad people go to hell. There's a lot of good people in hell. I've been baptized, Lord. I've done all these things, but it's not going to gain you entry into heaven. People who do not respond to Christ's invitation to forgive their sins are people whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, no matter what they've done no matter if they sung at the beautiful wedding. And to be tonight entrance into heaven's wedding banquet, not to be facetious, but it means the elevator's going way further down than the garage. I read the other day that three human beings die every second. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, Over 250,000 people go to heaven or hell every day. Sometimes we feel like we got forever. I remember uh, in the 80s there was a TV show, Fame. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live forever. The only thing longer than life is eternity. Is eternity. God's still taking reservations. It's not too late to RSVP. Is your name on the list. Remember, what we said earlier, God has no grandchildren. He's only got children. If you're only 99% sure you're a Christian, that's 100% unacceptable. you got to know, the only thing longer than life is eternity. Let's all stand to our feet. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please, just for a few minutes. This is a this question Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16 is the most important question you're ever going to answer. You're ever going to answer. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Or better yet, who is Jesus Christ to you? Do you know him in the free pardon of sin. Are you 100% sure that if you pulled out here on Alma School Road after church and got killed, God forbid, in an automobile accident, that you would be in heaven before this day's over? It's not a, I hope I will be, or I think I will be. Jesus said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He said, Thou shalt be saved. It can be a no soul. So many people accept Jesus with their minds, but they've never really accepted him with their heart. I don't know anybody's condition in here. I don't know anybody's heart this morning, honestly, than mine. But you know yours, and God knows yours. This time gets serious with God. This life is short. And I think our days on this earth are short. God's sent you an invitation this morning. Did you RSVP? Are you ready to meet him? He loves you this morning. He loves you so much, he gave his life for you. When you hurt, he hurts. Are you sure? Are you sure? You say, Well, I don't know for sure. All you got to have is a sincere heart and ask God to forgive you for your sins. Come into your heart. Cleanse you. Lead, guide, and direct you. And accept that invitation that he so freely gives. It's not about working your way in. There's, there's no, it's, it's, it's God's grace through faith plus nothing. That's all it is. He offers it to you freely. You know where you stand before him this morning you and God. It's time to get serious with God. We live in, 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 in uncharted waters in this world today. It's time for us to, to, to get serious with God. And if you do know Him, ask God to put a burden like you've never had in your heart to win the loss. There's people in your family, I'm sure, that needs Christ. Ask God to give you a burden to, to, to witness to to your neighbors, to your co-workers. Do you know him this morning? Why don't you just ask him into your heart if you don't? Trust and believe. The Bible says trust, believe, you'll receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that God, you sent your only begotten son to die on a cross for us not only that but to resurrect again for us Lord that we can be called children of God that you would adopt us into your family Lord I pray if there's anybody here this morning that's not sure that they are saved and bound for heaven Lord I pray that they would just give their heart to you and say Lord please forgive me for all my sins come into my heart save me Lord I believe in Calvary. I believe you rose again. I believe you are who you say you are. You are the son of the living God. And Lord, I just ask you to save me this day. Lord, I pray people that may not know you, pray that sincerely, Lord. Lord, we love you. And we just ask, Lord, that you have your will and way here today. For it's in Jesus' name.